0: Me like it's a last. Love me like it's forever. Love me like you know it's too fast. When this plane land, I don't want to do shit but hold your hand. In the middle of the street like this, my man. Or we can dance to that traffic jam. Uh, you can show me round town. Show me how it lights up when the sun go down. Five, four,
1: three, two, one. What is up, everybody? You're tuning into another episode of Styles and Driss. It is Saturday, November 20th, the day before my mom's birthday. So happy early birthday to my mom. Yeah. Getting close to 60. Still working like crazy. <sighs> Doesn't give a fuck. Just wants to make money. Hell yeah. And enjoys herself.
2: Yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with that.
1: Hell no. Shit. When you're in a country that gives you the opportunity to work, why not work?
2: Right. Well, and not just work, but like uh work to work to like, you know, rise mm-hmm. where you basically go like, okay, I'm not just like living literally from paycheck to paycheck, but I'm actually putting away money to be able to go and do other worthwhile things that I want to do and things like that. So All
1: Right, which is why uh I feel a little funny about the whole let's raise minimum wage mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. So, but that could be for another, you know, conversation (laughs) because yeah, let's just say that know your economics, everyone Mm -hmm. understand and know your economics. Don't just ask for shit, understand why you're going to ask for it. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know more, just hit me up. Yeah. Uh, If you want to know more about how I feel that is, just hit me up. At
2: org. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. How about
1: that? <laughs> Anyways, what's up? Mm. Tell me your life. Spit it out.
2: Tell me my life?
1: Yeah, spit it out. Go ahead.
2: Okay. Mm. <laughs> my life is French. Um, nah, man. Uh, yeah, good week so far. Um, just been working. I had the first three days of the week off, which was nice. Um, so I could uh, just do some uh, additional stuff around the house, which was uh, going pretty well, and um, oh yeah, yeah, you uh, you definitely um, put the uh, pain in train for Thursday, uh, thank you for that session, because that's like really super important for me, and my path to getting back into um, not only like house dancing, like Competitively, but also like really just being like super sharp with um, my uh, my techniques and my skills and things like that. Because yeah, we, we we got it in. We definitely got it in on Thursday, and um, yeah, I was I was digging the um, the the level change drills.
1: So uh, let's start from the very beginning of that. Yeah. So how did that come about? What hat like why? How did all of that come
2: about? Well. I just texted you, Hey Ozzy, um, can you train me? And then you were just like Yes. And it was the it I'm was kind of like the I'm a simple guy. Yeah, it was like the it was like the Sam Jackson, you know, from Jurassic Park, like hold on to your butts, you know, and then we're gonna go. So uh so I show up at the um uh at Old Day studio and kind of lucked out because there were a few people that were there, so that way, like if we were doing like rounds or if we were doing anything else like drill wise, it wasn't just me by myself and primarily like having like no rest time and everything. It was nice to kind of like disperse a little bit of that energy. But then we had a we had a pretty good uh, show uh, showing of people. Yeah, it came out. So um,
1: there were like a couple of people that decided not to join in because they saw how brutal it was. Yeah which is totally understandable, mm-hmm. you know, but prior to that, I was teaching, I had a private lesson with one of my students, her name is Kate, you know, and eventually down the line, I'd like to have her take over for me when it comes down to teaching. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I was already working with her and like putting her through the ringer. And I said, Hey, if you're going to stick around for session, I want you to be turn training partner. Mm-hmm because it's either you or me and -hmm. if it's me then i can't really quite focus on what's going on with him because i'm now concerned about my health too yeah you know because the way i train is like not really it's safe but it's not Mm -hmm. the healthiest you know you Mm could definitely pass out that's why (laughs) i thank god there is like a garbage can that i had like right right by us yeah you know i'm telling everyone to take a break and everything like that Mm -hmm. but even it's just me i just go 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 you know like i I think it's because mentally I have like this thing that I have to prove, Mm -hmm. you know? And if you look at me, I don't look like a guy that can move very quick and it's very sharp with my movement. I'm a stocky dude, you
3: know,
1: a stocky semi chubby dude. So for me, it's like, if I could prove to someone that I have what it takes, or I can out dance or outbeat someone that's, you know, that looks way leaner or looks, Mm -hmm. you know, in better shape than I do, then I'll fucking do it. And, That's why there are certain points where I yelled out, get angry. Yep. You know, when you guys were like starting to like give in, Mm -hmm. I'd say get angry Mm -hmm. because that's what really will push you to the top. Right. So when you get fucking mad, you get that aggression and you think of the thing that pisses you off that will push you to the next level. Right. And, you know, maybe some people are not like that. That's how I am. Mm -hmm. Like when I get shit done, it's because I'm fucking pissed. Right. Like I get super angry and I get stuff done and I don't know if that's healthy Uh, I don't really care. What I do care is that it works Mm -hmm. for me. So if it works for you, just fucking use it. But anyways, go ahead. Walk through those steps because you're going to be going through this every week. Yeah. Up until the time you decide, okay, I'm going to go travel.
2: Yep. So um, we started out with um, just uh, you encouraged us just to go ahead and warm up. And then once we were ready to go, then we started off with ciphering first and we were just trading rounds. Um, we did five rounds, which was, um, you know, a good warm up. And then we got into the actual drills and skills. So we got to like one end of the wall, and then um, the entire uh, width of the studio. We were supposed to do one footwork pattern that you preordained, and we do that almost like completely upright, and then we go reverse, like equal and opposite backwards and then get back to the starting point. And then we go out the next time, but now it's a level change, and now we're at a mid-level. And then same thing, forward, and then go back, and then finally low level and go out there and come back. And we would do uh, three different uh, three different techniques. I think I want to say there was, it was either 9 or 12 total, but I, I lost count um, as far as like how many we did total. So there are
1: three moves in each set? Yep. Yeah. We had about four sets. Four sets, so... So, yeah. About, yeah, so 12. Yeah, about 12 moves that we did. Yeah. Uh, except for the last set, I had you guys freestyle. Yep. And instead of doing levels with one of them... Well, when it came down to like the ground moves, mm-hmm. so I had you guys do spider walks and the monkeys, mm-hmm. or rock climbers, mm-hmm. uh, I had you guys just stay in one level. Right. So, that was like basically a hint as,
2: this is your break. Right, yeah. And, I, I, and I took it as such, because those are those are good when you can um when you can do what's called active active recovery mm-hmm. where you don't completely stop um you're still staying mobile or or active but you're not letting your heart rate get down below a certain level and right. um that was really good and especially because there are going to be certain techniques that um for instance like when people are doing like footwork patterns um you're you're doing like just like different stepping uh, formations and stuff but when you start doing ground techs it you're also engaging like other parts of your body that you normally don't so now you're kind of like burning the candle at both ends mm-hmm. so now it's not just about like technically where your feet are supposed to be but also like are, are your are your quads strong enough to support your weight to keep you upright or do you have to use your core so that way you're not going to like topple over or are you on the balls of your feet versus the heels of your feet and things like that? So yeah, so it's like you, you got you're multitasking so much that yeah, it would be really difficult to to try to do level changes on something like that as opposed to just like being like, all right, you're you're on the ground level right now, so you're only just going to do one one set there and back, and that's it. Because if we were to try to do this times uh, times three, it would you probably would unravel in your technique until eventually you'd either just completely fail or you'd injure yourself. Well, some, yeah. Well, some. the thing
1: is that half of you guys, literally you guys were about to black out. So <laughs> I was like, all right, I need to
2: just keep them all at one level Yeah. for like certain parts. And for me, um, it wasn't even the, the stamina that was the issue because um, all the breath work and stuff that I do is, um, is really what keeps me like sharp as far as a like, cardio. Um, my legs will give out more than my lungs will. Um, and that's that was the only thing that I was trying to be conscious of as far as like pacing myself and stuff because when I'm doing like level changes, um there's gonna be uh certain techniques that like I'm really comfortable with and that I can hit like all three levels and there's other ones where I've only ever done it like upright or like mid. So to all of a sudden change the dynamic on that, it's like all of a sudden like your your like your quads are just on fire. Or, you know, your uh, your Achilles are starting to get, like, really, like, nice and tight because you're on the balls of your feet so much and stuff. So I try to be conscious of that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I just breathe through it and everything. And even if I have to, like, slow down to get the technique so I don't burn myself out, then I do that. Yep. But I still try to keep pace as well. Cause well,
1: that's why I said, I would tell you, yell at you guys to breathe. And then mm-hmm. I would say, this isn't a race. Yep. You know, this is just the point is just to get back and forth is right. you're not racing your peers here. Yeah. Like the fuck, when the fuck will this ever become a race? There's no right. such thing. You know, you just go, you, you do what you do and you listen to the music. You mm-hmm. just move. Thought it was good. Yeah. Uh, and then. After that, what was supposed to be the hardest part of the whole training regimen ended up to me it was it actually looked like it might have been like the easiest, but were the two round two minute round ciphers. Mm-hmm. So we had three ciphers going, or no, two more ciphers going on. Yep, four dancers in each cipher, and each dancer had to go two minute rounds, mm-hmm. and there were five rounds each, right? Which ended up lasting in total, maybe about 40 minutes, 45 mm-hmm. minutes. And it was good, mm-hmm. it was really good. What I What I liked a lot is that nobody hesitated to go in. That's the one thing I noticed. Obviously, it was hard for me to just watch and, Mm -hmm. you know, look at the ciphers and stuff. But I was more focused on, like, okay, let me see if anyone hesitates. Mm -hmm. Because if someone hesitates, then there's something to work on. There should be no hesitation. Even if the music drops, find a way to articulate the music. Find a way to translate that. You know, and... I think a lot of people in cyphers, especially in cypher prelims, they tend to just just hesitate to go in. I'm like, who gives a fuck? Mm -hmm. Just go. So what were your thoughts on the two-minute round cyphers?
2: I enjoyed them a lot. Um, The one thing that I was being conscious of, too, is, you know how sometimes when you watch other people dance, it reminds you of something about yourself. Or um, maybe it, it it might either inspire you or it might resonate with you because maybe you see something in like that person's doing that. Maybe you feel like you do wrong and you see it and you go, okay, so this is what it looks like from a different perspective. Um, I was like very, very conscious of, um, again, going back to like pacing how to not just go in there and dance as like hard as, as possible, but like keep everything consistent for the entire two minutes, you know, because I didn't want to like leave any slack but at the same time, I also didn't want to like go out of the gates you know with like a whole bunch of fire for like thirty seconds and then after that you start to fade you get tired or you lack inspiration in your movements so I would think about like okay how, how am I gonna like get this from like beginning to middle to end in in one shot because like I would, I'd watch like other people that I was ciphering with and I saw the different sensibilities some people that were very much just like I'm just completely vibing to the music and then other people who are like. Oh, I got to snap. I got to go off. Mm-hmm. And then like, I'd watch that and I'd go, okay. And then I would start to see at about like a minute 15 that they would start to get tired or they'd start to, you know, um, uh, like mentally and kinetically get like gassed in what they were doing. And then I would go like, okay. So it would just remind me again, like, okay, pace yourself, breathe, take your time, um, find things to, um, to accentuate in the the music and stay in the pocket, but then at the same time, don't be afraid to go outside of that, you know,
1: just tell a story, yeah and don't tell it fast, basically right, right. you
2: know and yeah the, there's the, there's a lot that people i think like um, there's like a thing that you see where some dancers they're in the cipher and they can't wait to go in they're just waiting for their turn, right, and then I see other dancers who. Enjoy actually watching everybody who's in the cipher, you know, and, um, and that's something that I try to stay conscious of because everybody else who goes in, like, before me, they're inspiring movements in me. Like, w- when I go out, it's like I, I see something that somebody does, and it's not necessarily that I try to emulate it, but maybe um, somehow it, like, elicits a, a certain, like, feeling or, or something else. And then I go, oh, I'm going to try this now. You know, and now you kind of have an idea of, like, what you want to do. And um, and then, you know, of course, you see, like, other dancers who just, you know, they just want to keep charging the cypher, like, every chance that they get. If they could, you know, if they could take, like, multiple rounds, like, just steal people's uh, spot, they'll definitely do that, too. And I always kind of felt like that's, um, it's, like, hard charging in a conversation.
1: Yeah, you know? I mean, it's a strategy, but it's, like, uh, it's a... I mean, it's a pointless one, it's kind of mm-hmm. an outdated one, right because now dance now, especially with cipher battles, like they don't really allow that type of shit. you know right. they don't allow cipher hogs right you don't you know it's now there's a thing called cipher etiquette. Mm-hmm. well, it's been around actually, but now it's more it's more spoken about right cipher etiquette, and prior to cipher etiquette, people were just stealing rounds mm-hmm. left and right, and it wasn't even just happening in ciphers, it was happening in battles. Mm-hmm where it would be a timed battle and because it's timed it's not you know per around mm-hmm. crews would just outright steal the time yep and they would win because of that but mm-hmm. one thing it was just so unprofessional and just looked really sloppy and gross right. you know it i've never really seen a time to where it looked it looked correct or looked right mm-hmm. you know and I'm glad that now it's right now there's, you know, some regulation on it. And, and I'm glad that some dancers are willing to follow that rule where it's like, don't be a cypher hog. Right. Don't be an asshole, you Mm -hmm. know, and try and steal rounds. If you're really brave, if you're really confident about your round, you let that dancer go ahead and just Mm -hmm. completely wipe out that whole round with just one
2: simple thing that you just did. Right. So, so yeah, that's, uh. those were the the things that were really like, they were good because um, oftentimes um, people don't want to go through kind of like the assessment. I, I, I almost treated it like a fitness assessment for me. I was like, okay, I know where I'm at and I know definitely what I need to focus on and what I need to improve on. And then I know other things that I kind of got like on lock. So I don't have to worry about those so much because that's another thing that, you know, dancers, we, we make a mistake of doing a lot of times is we only practice the, the shit that we're good at because we know that we're going to nail it every time, as opposed to, you know, saying, well, I don't need to work on the scribble foot. Cause I know it like inside now, right now I need to work on my ground techs or I need to work on my stamina or I need to, you know, work on my musicality. So yeah, that, that was a really good benchmark for me in, you know, getting, um, getting my edge and keeping it and maintaining it because, I mean the you know the the goal the the plan is to you know not only just like start traveling but like definitely like going out to Amsterdam for Summer Dance Forever is like the the big goal. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I want to be able to go out there and not only um, hold my own and represent for Minnesota, even without like you know More the, like the U.S. Yeah, and you know um, and and not just for like the promise of like advancing in a, in the competition, but more along the lines of like, if I just go out there and just make an impact, a positive impact and people, you know, see that and it resonates, then I did my job. But at the same time, um, you know, there's a lot of people in Europe and they take this shit very, very seriously. Hmm. I mean, and they, this is like, they, they do this. Some, some people are even like, they've got like full careers where there's like, morning, noon, and night, that's all they do is, like, dance. Um, you know?
1: uh, I'd say maybe about 80% of uh, yeah. dancers, and um, house dancers, actually, 80%, maybe 80% of house dancers in Europe, Yeah, they're professional. They yeah. are literally, they're not pro-amateur like me. Yeah. They're professional. They're, where they're living like, off of this. They have a salary. They, you know, have sponsorships. Like, they're a fucking athlete of mm-hmm. house dance, which is funny to say, but it's true. And talked about this before but it all comes down to the country supporting it the government their government supporting it right so whatever but yeah i think you know everyone has their own goals that's great but i think a common goal as for every dancer that travels overseas especially if it'd be like the first time like it'll be your first time Mm -hmm. the primary goal is to learn yep you know, if you make it past four hundred house dancers in the prelim, great. But that's just a byproduct, right? You know, the point is to learn. Mm-hmm. And if you don't learn shit, then you just wasted money.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, to learn, have a good time. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, like the the battles, all that the the fame, everything like that. All that fucking shit is the byproduct. Right? It, it is. This is there. It's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. But whether you learn or not, man. I feel sorry for those that go out there that spend all this money to go out there and they don't have a good time to come back with this all sour and salty and right. shit. You know what I mean? It's in mind boggles me mm-hmm. that when that happens to people, right? Regardless if something at the event happened, like for example, just they boo the final, just they boo that we found out that was going to be the final one. Mm-hmm. That was during pan- It was right at the beginning stages of the pandemic. Mm-hmm you know i was in paris with CoFlow, tsunami and a few other heads tom hog bang all these people yeah and it was gonna be amazing i was there david jr too and mm-hmm. and waswa and it was gonna be amazing mm-hmm. um they're gonna get to compete in a huge ass arena i think it was like the accord arena in paris and it was gonna be on fire and then the day before the finals we were at the venue this like club venue and the Prime minister decided to, of of France decided to shut everything down mm-hmm. I was like, "Nope, we're not gonna do this. pandemic is here it's it's in full blow now. Mm-hmm. we're not gonna do it and okay, that sucks. We could have taken that to heart. yeah, people a lot of people took it to heart, you mm-hmm. know, like there were people that are crying that took it to heart, and I felt for them, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, we still gotta have a good time mm-hmm. i mean we're we're how many thousands of miles away from home? Right. We're in a country where, where the stigma is they don't like Americans. Mm -hmm. Like, are we going to let that get to us or are we just going to have a good time and just, you know, just vibe out and just learn and learn from that. Mm -hmm. You know, it, one thing, the biggest lesson that I took is that you can be the best dancer in the world. You can, you can be a celebrity, all this, all that shit, but something, like a disease like a disease or like a like a, some type of sickness can take that away from you within a given second. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. It took away so many careers, it took away the spotlight from everyone. Right. It took away all the dreams, the dreams, hopes and goals and all that shit. Yeah. Just it was just taken away just like that. So that was the biggest lesson that I took away from that. Another lesson is that uh, I don't know what people see in the food over there. <laughs> <laughs> either i went to the wrong re- well there there were there was only one restaurant that i went to over there which was like actually really good and it was a sushi restaurant mm-hmm. and other than that everywhere else that i ate there i was like all right nah." <laughs> like well it makes sense why you guys are so sauce heavy because <laughs> it makes sense why you guys are angry yeah <laughs> uh, um but yeah that i mean that's my point that i'm trying to get is if you travel overseas or i, I And it doesn't have to be overseas. If you're Mm -hmm. a fresh dancer and you're traveling to fucking Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. the main goal should be to learn. Right.
2: Case in point. And and build. I mean, you know, we we use that term a lot, and a lot of people don't get what that actually means. And there's times where I've traveled and I've gotten so much out of just the experience of, like, traveling and kicking it with people and having conversations more so than I did – in wherever i advanced in the competition and um i was always very grateful for that like a lot of other people would go you know hey yeah if you don't if you don't win first and you know collect your 200 dollars, then you know you failed coming out here and then um but the problem with that is that you kind of you t- you you sort of get like in this like real lackluster kind of mode especially if you win a lot of competitions where it's like you just you're, you're always just going out there and just, you know, you're like, I'm, I'm going to get first or I'm at least going to make it to, to the semifinals. And you're so focused on that that you kind of forget about the, like everything else in the periphery, you know. Yeah, you, all, forget,
1: you forget to have a good time.
2: Yeah, and, you know, you, you'll be, um, some people get into, like, real competition mode where they're kind of like, you could walk up to them and be like, yo, what's up, how you been? And they're like, oh, yeah, what's up, what's up? And they're just, they're really trying to stay in character for the comp. And then there's other times where you know you were just like in the corner, minding your own business um ciphering, and then all of a sudden a fucking legend comes up and watches you and then like shares in the cipher and then like imparts some wisdom, and then they're like, yo, hit me up um here's my um uh, here's my contact information, you know let's talk about like djing or dancing or you know what have you, and you're like all of that happened because you were not you know like over in like the main." Foyer, trying to, you know, get yourself ready for the comp, and um, you you kind of just like hung out with everybody else, and you know, just walked around and just took everything easy, and you know, I, I find those things to be very important. The, the, that's actually why I think the the grassroots side of this has so much appeal, is because there's something for everybody versus just the winners. You know what I'm saying?
1: And there's nothing wrong with like having a goal to win, right? Anything yeah. like that. I mean, you work so hard. Yeah, yeah, you might as well try and do your best and try and mm-hmm. get to a point. At the end of the day, it's all a game. Mm-hmm. But I mean, look, it. I mean, just go there and have a good time. Yeah, that's as simple as it gets. Mm-hmm. Go in there with an open
2: book. So. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just stoked about the prospect of traveling again. You know, I, I want to, I, I really hope that um, well, we find out soon if uh, something happens with Blueprint this year. Yeah. And if so, then I'm definitely going to make the moves to get out there too. And just, you know, it's like, I want to do that. I want to hit up the bay. You know, um, I want to um, go out to like uh Philly DC um, kind of area and just see what's up out there and stuff because it's like slowly but surely I'm like starting to like kind of build a portfolio of like connects and everything and uh, Virginia beach too um same thing if uh, if I happen to be any place out on the east coast I want to try to make efforts to um, go and kick it with um, uh, Junius out there you know and gorilla will and all them and you know see what's up so and and yeah just Get out there and just, you know, yeah. kick it and learn and grow. So mm-hmm. I hope people
1: here in Minnesota, if they decide to go and travel for a for house, I hope they have the urge to do it without me. Mm-hmm. Because I think I've done so much already that I'm kind of like, I'm not really burnt out, but it's like, oh, well, I already did it. Yeah, like I want to do other things now. Mm-hmm. And I kind of mentioned that. Um, kind of went into that on the podcast with Magnolia. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I've done it, seen it all. Uh, kind of want to do some other things right now mm-hmm. <laughs> or I need to focus on other things. Right? You know, I need to set my, set myself up for the next 20 to 30 years. Right. You know, like, cause what in about in less than 20 years, I'll be fucking 60. Mm-hmm. So it's, I have to, I have to worry about a few things. Um, But, you know, it doesn't mean I won't travel Mm -hmm. if I do. And normally, if you you guys know how I am when I travel, like, I like to go rogue in a Mm -hmm. sense. Like, I'll meet you guys there. (laughs) That's me. Like, I have my own way of getting there. Mm -hmm. I'll meet you guys there because I don't want to be attached to a group. Because if I am attached to a group, then, you know, chances are I might be the one fucking leading the group, Mm -hmm. which has happened before. Or I have to tag along. Mm -hmm. And I like, you know, I remember hearing this from from Joe, from Minnesota Joe, because, he's the kind of guy he's like, he's like the same in a sense where mm-hmm. he likes to have his own exit. Yeah. That's like me too. I like my own entrance. And I like to have my own exit. I'll
2: see you when I see you. Yeah. <laughs> so like the Jason Bourne of house. You're just always on the move. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like if, if I, if you see me there, you see me there, you know, like, but, um, but yeah, anyways, been a good day yeah juventus one okay thank god what was the uh score two nil okay who did they play lazio oh, okay so there's a lot of drama in that one mm-hmm. because the manager of lazio was the manager of juve prior to Pirlo becoming the manager you guys are probably everyone listening to this is like what the fuck are you talking about uh tune in on netflix or not netflix on prime video on November 25th, Thanksgiving. I think that's the 25th. And you'll see it. All or nothing Juventus. They kind of go over the story about it. Mm -hmm. But basically, there's a lot of shit talking for today's game. And the whole point was to overthrow Juve because Sari, who is the manager of Lazio, was the former manager who got fired from Juve because he did a piss poor job of getting him to the Champions League. Mm -hmm. They fired him. And he's like nothing, and after that, he's not been like talking just mad shit about you. like, fuck Juventus, fuck Cristiano Ronaldo, no longer plays for Juventus, mm-hmm. fuck all of them, and blah blah blah. And like, his point was to get revenge today in his home turf, yeah, which is in Lazio's home turf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just got demolished, yeah. Like, and the manager of Juventus right now, his name is Max Allegri. He's the original manager that led Juve to like seven titles. Mm-hmm. And like took him to the semi to the finals of the Champions League twice and yeah. like, you know, all this shit. And he just straight up like dissected Lazio mm-hmm. today. It was like and it was a classic battle, it was defense versus offense. Right. And it was it was dope. It was awesome. He ran a clinic on him then? Yep, yep. I mean don't get me wrong, it was a really good game. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day my fucking boys prevailed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck everyone. That's how it goes, man. When you're when you're on top, everyone fucking hates you. Yeah, and that's Juve. They they've always been on top, so everyone just naturally hates them. They didn't even win the Scudetto last year, and people fucking hate them still, right? Because right, they're Juve, and that's why I love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like the underdog, but the underdog champions. Yeah, I'm all about that.
2: <laughs> how's um I I haven't uh, been keeping up on A at all. Um, how's uh. How's AC Milan in the standings? They're first place. Their first? Okay. Yeah,
1: they're first. Yeah, the most likely they'll win the Scudetto this year. Okay, they're like I think ten and zero. Okay, and they're fucking killing it. Nice. And Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you know, he's been like a driving force. Mm-hmm. You know, also an OG mm-hmm. of football itself. But he's been a driving force in that club. Nothing but the utmost respect to AC Milan. Yeah. Before I liked Juve, I actually really I was actually about to start become an AC Milan supporter. Mm-hmm. And then it was just one thing that I didn't like. And it was their colors. <laughs> I didn't like the red and black. I yeah. like the black and white. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that doesn't really mean you should like a fucking club. Cause mm-hmm. how many clubs out there have black and white? Right. But it was the story behind Juve. of it was, a, it was like their, their history, their story and like why they became the club they became, mm-hmm. which like made me love them and made me want to become like a full blown supporter. Yeah. So, Fuck everyone else, you know, like it's Juve all day.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was um uh back in the in the nineties, um I was a real big Juve supporter, uh because I mean they they, they, they had it all, you know, they had um Roberto Baggio, they mm-hmm. had uh Gianluca Vialli,
1: even though had- if, like B- Baggio's time in Juve was like it's not his club. No. You know. That's like, uh, is it uh, Brasica, I think, is mm-hmm. his club. Yeah. That's like his fucking,
2: that's his baby. Right. Juve was just like a byproduct. Right. And it was it was the transition to get him over to AC Milan because he was with Juve and they had a really good run with him yeah. there. And then when he left, um, he went over to AC Milan for a bit. And then I can't remember what year he officially um, retired. But um, But yeah, it was... It, it, it was such a great it was such a great club and it, it was um uh, still
1: is what the fuck you're just kidding. <laughs> well I'm, I'm I'm saying like like with the,
2: the gallery in the nineties, in the nineties. Yeah. because, um, cool. yeah, it was like you had uh Viali, uh you had Ravinelli, um, who was another one. Um I'm trying to remember if if Maldini was was Juve as well. I mean, because I remember they were all on the national team uh together, but um I can't remember. It's it's been a while. I'll have to look that up again. But but yeah, they were they were they were the fucking crew. I mean they just like such amazing um highlights and stuff. There was like all, like just like this great like stint where you watch like um uh Baggio and uh Vialli highlights and they were just stunning.
1: One thing about Juve is that they always have their four horsemen or their duo. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're and I love it because they it's their eras. Yep. You know, they they come out with eras like when I first started, actually, it was, well, I've, I was already following Juve two years prior to mm-hmm. Ronaldo coming in, but then it became the ronaldo DiBala era, mm-hmm. and that was like the fucking shit, yeah. you know, like, because they, they played against each other, like, really good matches against each other, and then mm-hmm. now now they're playing on the same team, and Ronaldo took DiBala in as, like, under his wing, and mm-hmm. man, it was like fucking way it was like some wayne's world shit or yeah. some bash brothers shit yeah where they're just going to town on everyone and then now it's now they're just back to their horsemen mm-hmm. so now they got like what i love about juventus right now right, even if they're not at the top of syria is that they're now playing as a team they're not yeah. playing for one man they're mm-hmm. playing for each other mm-hmm. and i love ronaldo i'm a big fan uh i like messi slightly a little more than ronaldo but still you can't you can't knock on one of the highest paid athletes of all time, mm-hmm. but every team that he goes into they play for him mm-hmm. and that's the issue yeah you can't just play for someone you got to go in as a as a unit as a team right It's like with crew battles mm-hmm. The issue with break cops is that there were times where we would battle, and if we if Joe was on the squad, we'd fucking battle for him. Mm-hmm. he would be the one that would hold us through. He was mm-hmm. like our Cristiano Ronaldo right. But then, when he wasn't battling, holy shit! Everyone like flourished and like mm-hmm. held their own. Yeah, you know, they're like we our roles came out again. Yeah, as opposed to okay, let's see what Joe does. Or if I fuck up, Joe will clean right. up for me. Right. You know, and I don't know. Maybe some of the breakups will disagree with what I just said, but that's how I felt mm-hmm. when I battled.
2: <laughs> he's he's your Vince Papali, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like it's like all right, we're we're gonna run that play where we just give the ball to Joe. And he's just gonna blast past everybody, so to speak. And yeah, that that can that can be pretty heavy too, because then it's like on the one side, you know, everybody else that's in the crew is not reaching their potential, either either by by their their own doing or sometimes, you know, and not not saying Joe specifically, I'm just saying like in general, sometimes you know you might have that one like superstar in the crew that like overshadows everybody. So it doesn't matter what you do, you're never gonna you know, you're never going to, like, be on equal footing. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other time where it's, like, that superstar is, like, working their ass off because nobody else is, you know, um, picking up the, the ball and running with it. Right. You know, and, um, I mean, you see that a lot, like, in other professional sports. I mean, it was, like, with Michael Jordan, his, um, his, his biggest advantage was the fact that the rest of the Bulls were a good team. You know, I mean, they they were all like, they all had like very specific roles and talents that they were able to fulfill. And then, you know, having somebody who it was like losing was not an option for him. I mean, you know, he would bleed before he lost. And that in and of itself just made the whole organization flourish the way that it did. But, you know, then you see, you know, there's like one superstar player, on some team someplace and they're the name they're the draw but aside from that it's like the rest of the team you could just like light on fire and no one would give a shit you know and yeah that that can that can kind of suck because you know you want to be able to have like um uh, players that have uh, a chemistry and you know you get just a little bit better because you're around somebody who's so great and at the same time that person has the ability to um uh, like see and nurture, as opposed to like stamp out and you know overshadow and shit like that. Like Wayne Gretzky was a, another really good example. He was the guy that when he found out that a fellow player's dad had like flown in from like bumfuck Canada, um, from like out some outside uh, province to come in to um, to watch him play. Um, I think Gretzky was like on this this particular game it was supposed to be like he was going to get some league record and he got a different league record for like assists because he wanted to make sure that this guy's dad saw that, uh, his son out on the ice actually score mm-hmm. so he gave him um he gave him you know like what they they call it in wrestling they putting somebody over you know it's that thing of like saying like okay i was i was like i was the shit for a really long time but you know you're going to go ahead and you're going to hit me with the stunner and then, you know, put me down for the three count, you know, and then now you're going to, you're going to like arrive, right? So doing that for people also shows a level of um, strength and grace that, you know, people have, you know, that just shows like how much better they are is when they're, when they're able to make like the rest of the team improve or give them shine or, you know, pass to them or get them to work a little bit harder based on just like the the fact that like you got such a strong work ethic that everybody else sees it and they they give it a thousand percent as well and then they in, in, eventually get into their own right and you know people need that by examples and stuff and um you know so, sometimes like you know you'll have people that are on like teams or clubs or crews where they are sort of like you know yeah everybody else around me is kind of keeping me down you know i'm only going to be as good as my options or my availability. So I'm waiting for like some super crew to draft me so that way I can get the fuck out of my stupid ass scene or whatever and get away from all these people. And then you have other people who are like, nah, man, this is, this is my crew. This is my family, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I find like that's supposed to be like a very important thing to keep in mind, you know, is that those are the, those are the players that have that longevity and that character mm. that go for, you know, decades and they're very like well received and well respected and loved because they weren't trying to just mash everybody else they were like yo we're we're all like we're in the same league or the same sport we're all trying to move up together you know we got like civic pride and you know team pride and all these other things mm-hmm. so
1: yeah i mean look if you are the superstar of your crew and we're kind of we're talking like in dance terms now if you're the stup- superstar of your crew it's okay to kind of move to to get in your lane mm-hmm. and to keep going. Um, one thing like Joe is a prime example. Mm-hmm. You know, he ended up, he joined knuckleheads Cali mm-hmm. because dude, he, he's on a, he's in a different lane from mm-hmm. like the rest of us and mm-hmm. break tops. Like we, yeah, we all still dance and you know, he made it clear to him. The one thing too, is that he was very upfront with it. He mm-hmm. wasn't shady about that shit. He's yeah. like, look guys, he's like, you know, uh, I want to join Knuckleheads, Cali. Um, he's like, you guys are always family to me and stuff. But you know, I need to keep, I need to keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of us in breakups, we we're kind of like, we're not on our way out, but you know, we have other priorities. Mm-hmm. You know, we're taking care of our careers right. and doing, and doing what puts money on the table. You know, mm-hmm. and you know our skill level. If I guess if we wanted to, we could have made made it that high, but you know, it's just we're only human mm-hmm. we we like what we like we do what we do mm-hmm. um, so but the the point is if you're if if you are a superstar in your crew and if you feel like it if you know that you're probably the best one in there it's okay to move forward but still keep that first crew in mind mm-hmm. like if a crew battle happens you know better put them on the priority mm-hmm. say hey do you guys want me to join in or mm-hmm. can I go battle with these guys mm-hmm. or hey you know, like, or just make it clear, like, hey, I'm going to go battle with these guys if you guys are good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. And it's always been like that, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I like being in crews where everyone can fucking hold their own. Yeah. I don't like being the best one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like being the worst one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I just like it where everyone has their role and role to play. Right. Um, Circle Theory is a great fucking crew. Mm-hmm. Uh some of the guys actually think we're more so just a collective. I'm like, it's the same shit mm-hmm. <laughs> crew is a collective, but everyone can fucking hold their own. Yeah. You know, and everyone, everyone has, yeah, I'd say if there was a crew battle, there wouldn't really be like, Oh, let's send him out because we need to save our asses more like, nah, I could save my own ass. Fuck mm-hmm. this shit. Yeah. You know, now it's more of like, okay, how are we going to do this as a team strategy? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately there just hasn't, I don't think there's ever really been a crew house battle. Or at least I've never really, I mean, I've seen a three on three. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever seen like a full out, like five on five. Right. Kind of weird. There'd be a lot of
2: routines. Uh huh. God. (laughs) Yeah. I I think that that's kind of fitting that, that there aren't because, um, like with house, it's, it's such a different dynamic. I mean, it's, it's a lot more, um, like solo based, in the sense that it's about, like, mood and vibe and tone. Whereas, like, with breaking, you can kind of, you can compartmentalize a lot of stuff and say, okay, we've got, this is the one person who can do, like, great ground power. This person can rock a beat. This person can do this. This person can do that. So, like, you can capitalize and, like, strategically put Mm -hmm. each one of those pieces together. Whereas, like, with house, you might have, like, if it's, like, a five-on-five, you might have, like, four of those five people all have, damn near the same type of skill set you know so it yeah so i I think that like yeah if you you watch like a big crew battle um in a house competition
1: they just look like a cypher yeah we just look like a cypher yeah Yeah. (laughs) you'd you kind of be like
2: are are they all like dancing against each other they just like vibing out you know breaking
1: is is fucking war yep a breaking battle is a literally a it's it's war it's Mm -hmm. it's chess is what it is, mm-hmm. especially when it comes down to crew battles. There's so right. much strategy involved in it, which is why I love I love breaking. I still love watching it because right. you can learn a lot. And be like wow, some of the smartest, maybe some of the most strategic things that I've ever that I've um, incorporated in my life came from breaking mm-hmm. breaking battles. Like you know, some of the most strategic crews that I know of is like massive monkeys. Out of Seattle, Knuckleheads Cali's very strategic. Motion disorders. Uh, if it came down to a three on three, the best trio is Alex, Dizzy, and Miho. Mm-hmm. Those were the most strategic that was the most strategic crew ever when it came down to three on threes. Like yeah. they won battles and where if you were to look at it from like the outside, you you'd be like, Why the fuck did they win? Like right. they are clearly not the most talented ones in, in that in the venue and not the most skilled talented what have you but they know how to battle they know Mm -hmm. how to win yeah and uh i remember years ago uh john used to throw he threw this event it wasn't soul instinct it was um unfinished steps Mm -hmm. and dizzy was one of the judges and he flew in and i happened to like you know show for him around and shit and he was like talking to me about like why how does because i asked him, i was like man you guys win a lot of battles and he was the one that introduced me to the idea of, like, because it's a lot of strategy. Yeah. And he got me, like, looking and watching breaking battles, just breaking in general, breaking battles in general, like, in a different, with a different lens. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, that's why that guy won. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, he was, the, he was the one that pointed out, it's like, okay, let's say you're in a three-on-three, and one guy comes out and just executes his round. Are you going to send out someone else that can maybe execute his round as well? His or her round? Or are you going to do a crew? Are you going to do a routine to try and erase that Mm -hmm. from the judge's mind? Are you going to throw a routine? Yeah. Especially if the other crew hasn't been doing routine. They're just slowly relying on individual strengths. Yeah. You're going to throw a routine because at the end of the day, it's a fucking crew battle. Yeah. So why would you enter a crew battle and not have routines? Not even have a commando. Mm -hmm. You might as well do something. right? You know, and that's why they won a lot. They had a shit ton of routines and yeah, like they're individually, they're fucking great, but they weren't as good as all these other people that they were going up against, Mm -hmm. but they were a unit. Right. You know, it's like the whole Spartan, you know, Spartans versus the Persians. Yeah. It was like that whole concept. Right. They're a fucking
2: unit. Yeah. It was like, it didn't matter how diverse the empire was. And, you know, we got the best warriors from all over the planet. It's like, Can all these guys hold the line together and not leave any gaps? And, you know, and they, um, you know, we talk about this all the time with the Art of War, which is, um, you know, the general who uh, controls the terrain can control the the pace of the battle, right? So if you can control the terrain and not play somebody else's game, where they're going to come out and go, oh, I'm just going to do a 90 and then like stop and look at you. And you go, okay, well, I know I can't do 90s, so I'm not going to attempt to do a 90. But what I am going to do is me and my partner out here are going to, you know, jump in on a commando. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's like, you know, you're not playing their game, their strategy. You're making them play yours. Yep. And then if they can match you on that, then you go, okay, now we just got to make sure that we're, you know, doing like the absolute best every decision that we make strategically. But sometimes, you know, you can also like, throw that too. Like there, there's like some crews that I've seen that were only routine based, like they, where they, they don't have like any individual skills. They just, all they ever have is like routines all day long. And, um, that can be problematic because then what your strategy, the reverse strategy is going to be is now you go out, um, like say example, like you specifically, right. Is that, um, I could be with like two or three people. We all do this big routine everything's all nice and cool and crisp looking And then you come out and you just start rocking the beat and you're looking at us the whole time or like specifically like me and you're just, you know, and you're stomping your foot in time with something and then you're doing stuff to like different musical stabs. You, you basically have done the the same thing except in reverse, right? Mm -hmm. Where you erased our round Mm -hmm. because we came in with, you know, we've had like, you know, five or six different routines thus far. And you're like, yeah, you guys, you guys all move together with like great teamwork and stuff, but there's not one individual good dancer among you. Yeah. And I'm going to show you that, you know, Mm -hmm. and those are the things that um, people miss when they watch competitions like that. They don't get all of the various strategies, much the same way that like, you know, you see it in the Olympics with something like gymnastics, right? You might have like somebody who is a, um, a star on the team, but at the same time everybody's got to run the gauntlet of the events too you know they've all got to go and they've got to you know hit every single apparatus and that's how you're going to win it's like it's not going to be okay the person who gets the gold is you it's your country that you represent Mm -hmm. gets the gold and then you happen to be at the forefront of that but it's it's there's a yin and a yang dynamic to it and yeah I, i think that that's like That's important to to always take into consideration is understanding, you know, the, um, the purpose of strategy in competitive settings and stuff. And then it also helps you a lot in life, you know, when you start to strategize how you're going to navigate things as opposed to just being like, wow, I went out there and I threw that round in life and life came back and just did, you know, the craziest power combo I've ever seen, you know, and it just completely roasted me and I got nothing to respond with mm-hmm. as opposed to you go like all right yeah this is a setback but i'm going to figure out another way yeah and then you start testing the fence in different angles and stuff and yeah
1: yeah. yeah there's a lesson in everything that we put ourselves through there and everything that we do uh everything that we like to do there's always a lesson there right you know it's not just the fun in it there's a lesson mm-hmm. um with golf if I did shitty on one hole, guess what? There's the, other, there's the next hole. Right. So forget what happened in this hole and go to the next one and do mm-hmm. do better on that one. Yeah. You know, and same thing for dance. If I did shitty in this battle, guess what? There's going to be a next battle. Mm-hmm. Don't get so butthurt about it. Sure. You trained hard. So did the other people too. Right. What makes you so special? Right. You know, well, I trained harder. How do you know that? How do you know you trained harder? Right. Cause the last time I checked, you still look like a fat fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, the best fucking battle that I have ever watched when it came down to strategy was at Outbreak 6. Mm-hmm. And it was Knuckleheads Cali versus Skill Methods. Mm-hmm. And this is breaking, you know. Um, it's on YouTube as well. Just look up Knuckleheads Cali versus Skill Methods Outbreak 6. It was a two on two. And there was a lot of drama, some slight drama going on leading up to this battle because of a previous battle that happened and uh, Minnesota Joe was involved in it too. It was a three on three and it was also a knuckleheads Cali versus skill methods. They made it to the finals. It was at this jam called claws out, uh, which I think was in California or Portland and knuckleheads Cali lost, And, you know, a member of skill methods was talking shit saying why they lost. And, you know, it was just speaking. It was a whole internet mess. So what happened at this one and these were like two of the two of some of the strongest members from Knuckles Cali. who was uh, Flexum and Thesis. Mm-hmm. They took out Technique, who was like you know saying a few things on the internet, and Luigi. Mm-hmm. Um, so not the strongest members of Skill mm-hmm. Methods, in my personal opinion, but you know strong enough to the point right. where they can they can get away with a win here. Yeah. But fucking, I have never seen such a such a. Uh, I've never seen a crew dissect another crew like that. Yeah. It, it was more like they just over it. They beat them, and they decided to take their souls.
3: Yeah. And
1: the strategy was, well, first of all, uh, they were just going neck to neck, right? And then there was a point where Technique's round wasn't as strong as it should have been, mm-hmm. and they just fucking capitalized. Like yeah. Flexen went in. He capitalized on, on hitting the beat. Thesis came in, capitalized on executing his move. Mm -hmm. They're already winning. Right. But this is where they took their souls. They're like, fuck it. They threw in a routine and executed the shit out of the routine. And it was like, dude, it's over. Yeah. It it was like, it was done. Mm -hmm. And now these guys are just blown the fuck out. Yeah. And I remember watching that and Los was with me and we were like, holy shit. (laughs) We have never (laughs) seen that kind of fucking like soul taking (laughs) battle ever. Yeah. But uh, after that, everything calmed down. Everything was cool, mm-hmm. you know. And but yeah, well, go if you if you're listening to this, watch that battle. Right, it's, it's so fucking impressive. You're like, holy shit, that was amazing.
2: And I think that's important to remember when it comes down to um, a lot of like the controversy and beef that exists in like the dance world is that it's always better to have small skirmishes and battles rather than all-out wars right it's like you're you're saving a lot more um people um where you don't get like an actual like a a thing where it's no longer just like a crew beef between you know a few people that are talking shit here a few people talking shit there but like entire countries or entire like you know um coasts are like taking a side on something and then it gets very volatile and it gets real shitty you know, um, that, that's the beauty about competitive dance that people, um, ask about all the time. They go, why, like, what, why do you guys like, why are you so, you know, apeshit for this? And it's like, well, because you get a chance to actually have that, that one-on-one or that two V two engagement with people that you don't think very highly of or vice versa. And then you're able to kind of like address it and squash it all in like one shot. And, yeah, there might be some residual shit talking or there might st- still be some, like, animosity down the road. But, ultimately, it's not going to, like, escalate into something worse. Hopefully not. I you don't know. know. Yeah. Some, some battles are different. Really. I mean, yeah. they... And, and yeah, and, it, and it's like... And don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it's not like it's never happened. But, you know, I mean, look at, like, uh, case in point, right? Like, um, since, like, post-90s, um, you've never seen breaking beef ever result in like murders, right? But you see that shit all the time in like in uh pop rap. All the fucking time. You're you're just like, you know, Lil So and so just got gunned down, you know, um out in front of, you know, this restaurant last week, you know, and and you're seeing like all this shit that just seems to just be uh commonplace, right? And at least for us, we're we're like at the end of the day, we're like, well, because of the fact that we can get this um, our point across with our movement, it doesn't have to boil over into physical altercations, which in turn will cause you know a lot of times like we've seen that with like people who uh, I made that joke about like uh, my my meme that I sent out about the time bandits you know uh, where it's like when your non dance homies uh, come out to the uh, to the jam and they're just like this riff raff mismatched looking all fucked up having like you know tea cozies and like strainers and steampunk goggles and all this shit on their heads that's kind of what happens too is like one person is like the dancer but then they got a bunch of do dirt motherfuckers that are on some like some gully shit and they come out and you know you battle with somebody and then like you get roasted and next thing you know now your boys are like flexing on people on the parking lot or starting shit and burning bridges and shit so yeah i i've never been I've never been a fan of that, and um, that's the one thing that I always kind of felt like was a good saving grace about breaking, at least, um, and in the breaking community, is that stuff's never, like, in the last uh, couple decades, there might be some shit that gets, like, like, kind of, like, it's a close call, like, you're like, oh, wow, yeah, that was, that was fucking crazy, but nothing has gotten to the point where, oh, yeah, did you hear that, you know, three people from that crew all got shot because... Of some shit that happened at that jam last month, mm-hmm. you know.
1: As far as we know, nothing like that has ever happened. Yeah,
2: I mean, like in in the in the history, the overall history of breaking, yeah, there there has there has been shit, but that was like that was a lot more of just like you know the product of people that were street that got into breaking as opposed to like kind of being like born and raised in breaking, like primarily like breaking is all that they've ever known. A lot of people that started off or that became famous as B boys back in the day were also stick up kids and, you know, runners and, you know, did all kinds of other shit on the side. And then it was like, Oh, by the way, they happen to be in this crew and they happen to be in this music video or they happen to be in this like hip hop movie. But then like, you kind of like look at their resume and you go, damn, this person is like, Done all kinds of, you know, dirt and shit, and you know, and especially because like they're after like the the decline of breaking in the in the mid '80s, the streets just kind of were like waiting for these guys to get back into it. And sure as shit, they did, and it was like a lot of people got claimed as a as a result. And you know, and that and that's a sad thing. It's like you know, in the '90s, we kind of had we had our our own era of. Um, people that were like affiliated again with street shit because they got they they maybe started off in like street culture and then got involved in breaking and then kind of realized that breaking had more of an appeal so they kind of left you know the the set or the idea of you know claiming a color or you know any of that shit behind and just focus primarily on breaking but still you know there's there is that undertone that undercurrent that people have to be very cautious of and um for me that, that's why like i said i'm i'm happy that at least like in in our dance uh cultures and our dance pockets we seem to regulate for the most part you know with a lot of dignity and a lot of respect even if we you know don't see the eye to eye we want to you know say some shit it's not like you know you're gonna have to worry about going to fucking you know chicago and then next thing you know like five or six people from this crew that you battle at like city versus city are gonna find you you know at a chipotle and beat the shit out of you and take your shoes and stuff you know so
1: <laughs> yeah well on that note on that note i think i'm good you think you're good yeah you said all there is to say i said there all i said all there is to say <laughs> i'm ready to, to move on with the day yeah all right well Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Styles and Dress. We will talk to you
2: soon. Peace peace. When the down, the waters rise
0: up, then we both drown. In the cover other night or whatever you like. I won't be here for too much longer. Here, oh no. You know I wish I could stay. You know I wish, you know I wish. Don't tell me not to go, I'm gonna. not tell me not to go. Fuck around miss my plane. Fucking round, I'm just playing. but Love me like it's our first time Love me like it's our last Love me like it's forever Love me like you know it's too fast Love me like it's the first time Love me like it's the last Love me like it's, like it's forever like you know it's too fast Love me like you know it's too fast it's like, uh, I move like speak so I can't slow down Only got one night in your town I wanna take a dip in your river Fuck that, I wanna drown